Thank you for your presence today. During his earthly ministry, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That truth is as relevant today as it was then. If we had the mind of Christ, everything we think, say, or do would be fueled by the Spirit of God. Instead, Christians and non-Christians alike are often focused on worldly pleasures. The evidence is clear. Our emphasis is devastatingly derailed. Thus, everything God made perfect for us is broken. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander gets us back on track. Jesus went to where the people were to preach and teach the gospel. And I want to say something. It says there in 35a, then Jesus went about all. Jesus, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. I want to say something there. We must not expect the unsaved to just get up and come to church. Okay, now if you go, don't hold your breath, you're going to die. We expect, you know, if you're going to catch fish, you, you don't stay in here, fish, you got to go to the water to where the fish are. Who's going to drop a line on the floor here in this building and say, well, I'm going fishing today. We think you've gone cuckoo. You have to go where the fish are. We must not expect the unsaved to just come here, come in on their own and just plop down and say, save me. This is not typical of unbelievers. Like Jesus, we must go where they are to share the gospel with them, to invite them to come to the Lord's house, to worship with the assembly of believers. When have you invited somebody? When was the last time you invited somebody to the Lord's house to worship with you? Are you living in such a way that you can't even invite someone? Now, some of you, if you're living like the devil, please don't invite anybody because your testimony speaks against you. You can't live like them, act like them, be the biggest fool on the job and in the neighborhood, all crazy and beside yourself, and then say, now, I want you to come worship with me on bring a, bring a co-worker's day. They say, you've got to be kidding me. Another, another point on Jesus going to all the, the villages and surrounding cities, when it comes to evangelizing the lost, there was no place that was off limits where Jesus would not travel. He went to all the villages, all the towns, all the cities. There was no place uh, that was off limits where Jesus would not travel. We must follow the example of our Savior. We must share the gospel with all people. Say all people. All people. Uh, I mean, regardless of uh, regardless of their origin, where they're from, whether they're from the Middle East, Africa, China. Uh, now, some of you, uh, many of you can't go to these Islamic countries and go to Saudi Arabia or, or go to Singapore and all these places. But now you don't have to go because they're all trying to get here. As a matter of fact, they're breaking the law to get in here. That's what this immigration thing is all about. Everybody fighting open borders and all this kind. Everybody want to be in America. I understand why. You think America's that bad, you go somewhere else and you'll see why they want to get here. Amen? Uh, But but you don't have to go. You don't have to go to Russia. You you don't have to go to all these places. Uh, Now we ought to go, but now, you know what God has done? God has brought those folk from those places to next door to your house. That's right. They're in your your grocery store. They're in your neighborhood. They're on your job. All those folk from way over there are now right across the street. 
And some of y'all can't witness to them because you're scared of them. <laughs> because of their origin. Y'all hanging with me? Because of their ethnicity. You ought to, it's a sad day when a black person can't witness to a white person or a white person won't witness to a black person. We all sinners. No such thing as a one race sinner. We were born sinners. All races, whatever you think you are, if you don't know what your descendants are, you, you still that kind of a sinner. That's right. Uh, background, you're a sinner. Reach them. Whatever your status is, they need Jesus. If you're poor, not poor, if you poor, you need Jesus. If you middle class, you need Jesus. If, uh, uh, if you wealthy, you need Jesus. Acts 1-8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In this passage, I'm still on that same verse. We must not be afraid to go where the Lord sends us. That's why some of you don't, you're scared of, uh, uh, of asking God, uh, what do you want me to do? Some of you, don't, you won't pray, Lord, what you want me to do? Because you're scared he's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. We must not be afraid to go where the Lord sends us. My wife and I and my family is here today because the Lord dispatched us from Houston to San Antonio. We moved here back in 1984. I say, what is this little city all about? I was used to the big city, uh, the fourth largest city in America, Houston, Texas. It, I thought I was going to heaven from Houston and I went to elementary school there. I went to uh, middle school there, high school there, college there. I was there. There. I had friends. I, I was all over the place. Houston, Houston, baby. <laughs> Bought a house in Houston. We had wonderful jobs in Houston. My wife worked for a law firm in Houston. I was a school teacher in Houston. Then we bought a beautiful home off of Lake Houston. And we were set. And God says, now get up and go. We had a house we didn't stay in six months. It's sold before we even put the real estate marker in the yard. And he packed us up and he shipped us from Houston to San Antonio. I didn't know a thing about this city other than the Alamo was here. <laughs> yeah. We must not be afraid to go where the Lord sends us. Serving the Lord is an adventure. Say adventure. adventure. You want an adventure in your life? You want it? Hey, some of y'all lives are so boring. Ooh, you're so dull and humdrum. I dare you to start adventuring for God. I, I dare you to say, God, do whatever you want with me. I'm not going to put any restrictions on what you want me to do. Here I am, God. I'm, I'm yours to go wherever you want me to go, to say whatever you want me to say, to do whatever you want me to do. And all of a sudden, your life will be full of adventure. He may send you to do his will in a small town of Nacogdoches, Texas. A large city. He may send you to a small church. He may send you to a large mega church. 
He may send you to a traditional church. The Lord may send you to a non-traditional church. The Lord may send you to a denominational church. The Lord may send you to a non-denominational church like this one, Maranatha Bible Church. He may also send us to where it is extremely hot. Go to Phoenix. Or he may send you where it's extremely cold. Go to Wyoming, Alaska, Canada. He may even send you to a foreign country. Leave your family, leave your house, leave your mama and daddy, leave it all and follow me. I love that great passage in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 which says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Who's going? I wonder who's going in here today. Then I said, here am I. Send me. Are you able to stand after this message and walk to this altar? Even trembling, nervous, not knowing what you got to give up. Because everything is temporal and passing away anyhow. And say, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with me. And I'm a little scared of what I'm doing. I, I might be biting a little more than I can chew. But here I am. Send me anyway. And you know what? You'll find out that when you surrender to the will of God, it's the greatest thing you could have ever done. You know, when, my, when the Lord moved my wife and my little family, our kids were just babies to San Antonio, and we had never been here, fresh out of Bible school. And now that I see where I am now and where I'm going and all these countries we're preaching in and all the things that God has done with us, through us, and to us, I don't regret one minute uh, being in San Antonio, Converse, Texas, it's the greatest thing God could ever done in my life and ministry. Had I not said, here am I, send me, I wouldn't know you. Don't let me start calling names in you. And I wouldn't know you. And we wouldn't have gone to Israel and all these places that we are going. I wouldn't know all these people. I know, know the deacons. And I wouldn't know the teachers. I wouldn't know this church. I wouldn't know the experience. I don't regret my obedience to God, when I see what he has done, like Maurice was praying for me early Sunday morning, prayer, Lord, thank you for, deli- for, for taking him from Cashmere Garden. I said, man, you had to go way back there in your prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and look what God has done simply because I obey. Y'all listening today. The Universal Church is commanded to seek the unsaved. No person, no place, no situation, no betrayal, no threat of physical harm was off limits to Jesus as he journeyed from place to place during his ministry to seek and save the lost. God expects no less from us. 
The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we are to acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. Our omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God will equip us with everything we need to obediently carry out his will. You know, you know I think for a moment in heaven, it may be pretty sad for just a, just a tidbit of moment. Because when you stand before God and get your evaluation, he's going to show you, say, now you, you got saved and you got some, you, I'll give you some, a few rewards, but you, you, but you, you, you got, the, you got the, the back end. And he undrapes all the possibilities of what you could have had, but you didn't get it, simply because you couldn't trust God and obey him even when you didn't understand. Serving God is an adventure. The scripture says in verse 35 that Jesus went about teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus did not allow anything to distract from his preaching and teaching ministry. Regrettably, in many churches today, biblical Christ-centered preaching has been replaced with entertainment. It's entertainment. You go and you just uh, ha- just have a good time. Let her roll. Uh, it, it, uh, the, the, the preaching and teaching has been replaced with praise and worship. Now, you, it's going to get quiet now. Now, praise and worship has its place, and God is blessed by praise and worship. But when praise and worship go so long in the house of God, until you have an hour of praise and 15 minutes of the word, it's all out of order. After you stand up so long on your feet, till you, your, your feet saying, please sit down. <laughs> your feet saying, please sit down. Praise and worship. Praise and worship is good, it's healthy, but I ought not be on my feet for an hour and then get 10 minutes of the word and say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. No, Satan's going to wreak havoc in my life. I don't have enough word in me to spiritually inoculate me for what I'm, on, for what I'm coming into. You know, the Christ-centered preaching and teaching has been replaced by fellowship. People just love to get together and they eat themselves to death from the lost church. They gain calories. They get big from the lost church. Everything eating. You don't have food. Matter of fact, you got, got, you got to have food to get them to come. <laughs> that no food? I ain't coming. What they going to have down there? <laughs> Jesus is here. <laughs> Jesus is here. Well, not to feed your way to heaven. The bread of life ought to be sufficient for you. (laughs) Fellowship, 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 fellowship. Oh, what a fellowship. Oh, what a joy divine. Oh, what a eating time. Oh, what a joy divine. (laughs) And there's a Christ-centered biblical teaching has been replaced by religious activities. Therefore, they have all kinds of stuff going on in the church. And not that it's bad, 
But, but it's a bad day when you can't have prayer meeting and Bible study, study because you got all these activities and all these options that go against the word of God and people can come to all these different ministries and all these different opportunities and don't get prayer and don't get the word and think they've done so well and your soul can be starving for the word of God from the church of God. Second Timothy 4 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Preach the word. This is and teaching. The substance, the content, line by line. Precept by precept, mulling it over, turning that word over until it gets solidified in your heart to uproot all that sinful baggage. Verse 35b through 36, the compassion of the Savior, the compassion of the Savior and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. What a passage. Jesus was a compassionate savior. You need to write that thought down. Jesus was a compassionate savior. Now you say, what does it mean to be compassionate? I'm going to give you, give you some insight on that so you won't be misled. To be compassionate is to be moved inwardly for, for, for the condition of people. It is, to, it is to possess tender mercy for the condition of people. It is to possess affection and pity for the condition of people. It is to be moved with empathy for the needs of people. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people. You see that? For the Lord has comforted his people. Let me tell you something. When you know the Lord and the Lord knows you and you go through tough times, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord knows how to comfort you. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. I'm speaking to someone here today. You've been afflicted. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. You've been hurt. And God will comfort you if you don't allow yourself to become callous and hard and bitter. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses four and five also says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort. God is the God of all comfort. You want to know you, you want to know the, the supreme example of comfort. Look at God. Look at Jesus who comforts us in our tribulation. How many of you have had some tribulation, some hardship, some pain, some trouble? I tell you what, the God of all comfort knows how to come to you, and he knows how to settle you down. He knows how to put salve on you, spiritual salve. He knows how to heal your hurt. 
that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble. You know how God, when God comforts you in the midst of your trials and your troubles, you know what? He's preparing you to be a tremendous source of comfort to others who are going through their times of hurt and pain and comfort and trouble and all of these things. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. I tell you something, God knows how to comfort. When you get in the pages of scripture and you let the Holy Spirit begin to work on you, God has a way of giving you peace in the midst of all that turmoil. He knows how to give you rest. He knows how to settle your spirit. Not only did Jesus preach the gospel, but he put his message into action. Jesus, who was the great physician, miraculously healed multitudes of people who were sick. He healed multitudes who were diseased uh, during his earthly ministry, which validated that he was the Messiah, God in human flesh. If your preaching and teaching does not move you to have compassion toward the very people you are ministering to, then there is a great spiritual disconnect. Did you get that? If your preaching and teaching does not move you to have compassion toward the very people you are ministering to, then there is a great spiritual disconnect. When you genuinely love people, you will have compassion for them in the midst of their poverty. That's why we uh, got that kitchen going over in Kabali, Africa, when that kitchen was wiped out and that school was closed and that school was not going to open until that kitchen was reinstated and you raised funds, we raised funds, and you gave over and above, not only to restore the kitchen, but to put utensils in the kitchen so those babies would eat, some of whom the only meal they have is when they eat lunch during school time. That's compassion. Why did you give like that? You didn't have to give. You, you could have just dropped a dime in or just said, well, next time. But you gave because you were moved with your compassion for those who are hungry, for those who are in crisis, for those who are worried. You have compassion on those. Why, why are you still worried? That was two years ago. You ought to get over it now. Stop saying that. You ought to get. But, they, but they're not over it. And stop telling them to get over it. Give them, the Lord knows where you are. And I want you to keep looking to Jesus. In him is hope. And he is our peace. And just one day at a time. I I know sometimes you have flashback, baby, but I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be all right. I've been there, and I'm going to tell you something. This too will pass. You hold on and watch God work. He's your Emmanuel He's with you and he's going to keep you in times that you really don't understand. Don't tell him you got to get over. It's been two years ago. Stop being so hard. You got to be compassionate toward those who are distressed. Those who are living in fear and sickness. Those who are in pain. Those who are suffering. There are people under my voice right now. There's cancer in their body. There's arthritis in their body. There's somebody under my voice, you have eye problems. There's somebody under my voice, you're having children and grandchildren problems. 
There's somebody under my voice, you're anticipating surgery and you don't know what to do. There's, there's some of you who have lost, I know because I've heard and I've talked to you and we've done funerals. You're stricken with grief in death of precious loved ones and you're full of sorrow because you miss them down here. Yeah, you know where they are. You know they're in heaven, but you miss their presence here. Your compassion should move you to action. You need to write that down. Your compassion should move you to action. Where there's compassion, there is action. Where there's no action, there is no compassion. If your compassion does not lead to action, if it does not, you need to ask yourself why. Beloved, where is your compassion for people in your life? Jesus had a balanced ministry. The Bible tells us to fear not for God is with us. Be not dismayed for he is our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. We must not be afraid nor ashamed nor slothful. We must be bold. We must be willing. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is able and he won't fail. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.